Well, I wonder, have any of you ever lost something that's really important to you and then refound it or maybe discovered a treasure? Um, I remember a number of years ago, um, as a young boy, I used to spend lots of time in the garden. My dad was a, a property developer, and so I had these great dreams of building houses in the, uh, in the, in the back garden and uh, letting them out and increasing my pocket money. And one morning where I was digging with a spade to dig the foundations for one of these properties that I was going to let out. I was only four years old at the time. Um, and, and as I was digging, I found this coin. I thought, oh, stuff all the property development. I found a coin. This coin is a treasure. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make my fortune. And so I went to my dad. I showed it to him. He said, son, that's only a farthing, I'm afraid. So it's uh, not going to make you a lot of money. But uh, in that moment, there was such an excitement inside of me as I found that coin. I treasured that coin for many years. I actually looked at my desk to see if I could still find it, but unfortunately I've mislaid it. Perhaps I'll refind it one day, I don't know. Um, but I'm sure all of us have had that experience of either losing something that's really important to us and refinding it, or maybe finding something for the first time, either something we were searching for or something um, that we weren't searching for, but we nonetheless found. Um, I remember as a as a teenage boy, I used to go down to Exmouth Beach and have the metal, uh, the guys with the metal detectors going up and down the beaches um, looking for things that people had left, values, valuables uh, people had left. Maybe for some of us it was an old toy that we lost and then we found maybe a photograph. I came across some photographs the other day um, that I hadn't seen for a while. It's just great taking me back to memories of 20 years ago, of excitements, of experiences of things that are not, not necessarily forgotten, but they kind of brought a pointedness and reminded me um, of those experiences. I don't know if any of you have watched the Indiana Jones films um, with the sense of adventure, the sense of searching uh, for treasure. Treasure, um, I find, as we find it, gives us an appetite for more. As I discovered some of those photographs, I looked through other albums, and it gave me an appetite to see more. And this morning, I want us to consider something that God talks about, the treasure that Jesus talks about. And in the parables that Jesus told, Jesus was brilliant about telling stories. I don't know how many of you enjoy listening to stories. I love listening to stories and kind of re, refining some of that as I read stories to my children. And Jesus loved to tell stories. And he, tell, he told two stories, and they were both about things that were worth lots. One was that he was walking through a field one day, and he saw and found a treasure in that field. Now, the field didn't belong to him, so he couldn't just take the treasure off for himself. But what did he do? Well, he sold everything, Jesus says. He sold everything so that he had enough money to buy that field in order that he could have the treasure. And so my question for us this morning is, is there a treasure in our life that we would be willing to give up everything for? Is there a treasure that is so important in our lives that we would be willing to strip away everything else? Well, I want to suggest to us there is something that is of great value um, that many of us here will have experienced, I've experienced, and is open for all of us, a treasure that God wants to offer uh, to us this morning. And, of course, that treasure um, is all around, centered around what God wants to offer us. Now, at this point, I'm, I'm going to get Ezra to help me, okay? In fact, Ezra, I don't know if you realize this, but Ezra means helper. Um, so, so I think Ezra can help us this morning. 
Now, I'm going to let uh, Mark and Sarah off the hook here, actually, because I'm not going to invite him up and get it. I know he was really going for that microphone earlier, wasn't he? I'm not actually going to get him to preach now. But I'm going to use his namesake. We're going to go um, into the Old Testament and look at the person of Ezra and think about a treasure that he discovered, a treasure that he brought to the people of God. And my prayer, I've, I've written this in the card um, for Ezra this morning, just my prayer for Ezra is that he really grows up knowing this specific treasure that I'm going to share with us this morning. But actually, my greater prayer for us this morning is that all of us would come to know this amazing treasure that God offers to each one of us. It's a treasure that I don't think we can just ignore. We need to make a decision whether we accept it or whether we reject it. And uh, we read about Ezra in uh, Nehemiah chapter 8. Ezra was a priest and a teacher uh, there's a whole book of the Bible written about Ezra, but also he's talked about in Nehemiah uh, as well. And as we read in Nehemiah chapter 8, and verses 5 to 6, we discover something of what Ezra was bringing to the people of God. And it was very simply the Word of God. Now that may seem a bit uh, boring when we think about a treasure, a book. You know, how exciting is a book? But let me, let's go on and explore this. And so in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verses 5 to 6, we read, Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord. This was the sense of excitement and joy as uh, Ezra brought this book that it really excited uh, the people of God. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. I don't know how many of us, when we've discovered a treasure, have raised our hands and said, Praise the Lord, Amen, Amen. Might not be the natural uh, response we always experience, but the sense of excitement amongst the people of God, that as they discovered the Word of God, they lifted their hands up and they praised God. And we see that it's great excitement, and I'm sure many of us have experienced this great excitement as we've discovered a lost treasure, or something that has gone missing for many years as we, describe, as we discover this, there's a sense of excitement, a sense of surprise. But there's also a bit of a twist to it as well, because actually they do discover it, and they do get into reading the Word of God, they begin to understand it, um, but then they all start to mourn, and they start to weep. We read in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 9, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites, who were instructing the people, said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And so Ezra brought this amazing gift to the people, but they started weeping and they started crying. I don't know, you don't have to answer this, by the way, but I don't know if any of you have given a gift to someone and they've started weeping and mourning. I don't know if anybody's experienced that at all. Thankfully, when I've given gifts to Ali, she's never weeped and mourned. Not quite sure what I'd do uh, in that situation. Maybe some of you have, uh, the response has been tears of joy. That's a great reaction to give me a gift, isn't it? Or maybe a bunch of flowers or something. But if you gave a gift and they started mourning, actually, um, I, I do remember actually one Christmas, um, uh, my dad giving several presents to my mum, and she, she began to get a bit upset halfway through the opening time because uh, she wasn't quite getting the presents she was expecting. Um, and so me and my two brothers are kind of left in this awkward position. And so we decided to take ourselves out the room and let them sort it out between them. They did sort it out and it was all fine. But that's my only experience of it. But most of our experiences 
uh, are not kind of mourning and weeping in response to gifts. But this is the response to this treasure. And this is the word of God. So why on earth are the people responding with weeping and mourning to the gift that Ezra is bringing to the people of God in the word of God? Well, as we read on, we understand something of why this, and we can conjecture and begin to understand why this might be. If we think about the word of God that was bringing to them, it was the story of God, that he had brought them out of captivity in Egypt and into uh, the promised land, into this sense of freedom. But also, there were all these things that it talked about in in the way they needed to live to honor God. You know, sometimes people think God's got a stick up in the sky and he's beating us and saying we've got to live in this way or that. But really, the Bible teaches us to live in such a way that helps us to live in a good relationship. You know, I love my football. And uh, when I play football, I'm so thankful for the rules. Because if we didn't have rules in football, there'd probably be a number of people strewn across the pitch afterwards. I mean, there are enough already, aren't there, when you watch the Premiership. But but there, there would be many, many people injured and hurt and maybe worse. Um, but the sense of these guidelines and rules, it helps us to flourish and live together in a positive way. And it's exactly the same with the Bible, that God gives us these things that help us to remain in good relationship. And the reality of the Bible is, God's word to us, that it challenges us. And so this was the response to the gift that God was giving to his people. They were challenged, and they were so challenged that they were crying because they recognized the importance of the challenge. And these were hardened people. They'd just been taken away into captivity and they'd made the journey hundreds of miles back uh, on horses and walks. They were hardened people. It wasn't like they were sort of sobbing away and and finding things difficult all the time. They They were strong people, but yet they were cut to the heart because of the word of God. And the word of God, what does it challenge? Well, it challenges people to be generous and not to live in a selfish way. It challenges us to be kind to others. It teaches us to live in a way that centers around God and loves others. And this is the center of who God is, that he loves us and he wants us to express that love to other people. And the the reality within that is that there are some things that if we're going to love God and love others that we shouldn't do. There are some things that we should push to one side and say, no, I want to choose God's way. It's interesting, one of the questions I asked in the, the baptism service this morning was, do you reject the devil and all rebellion against God? Now, those words sound pretty strong, don't they? Do you, relect, do you reject the devil and all rebellion against God? But essentially what that's saying is, I'm going to reject all the things that get in the way of me loving God and loving other people. That I'm going to make God and other people the priority in my life. And so we have a choice Jesus presents this choice to us whether we choose to follow his way or go another way. But the wonderful thing about God's way is that not only does he give us life, and you know Jesus describes himself as the life giver. It's quite an interesting idea that he, he is life himself and he wants to give life to us. He gives us life in this life, but also he promises us life beyond this life, that he gives us an eternal destiny. I don't know how many of you think about your life beyond this life. Um, sometimes me and my children, we sit down at the dinner table and sort of have a think about what's heaven going to be like, you know, and it talks about in heaven how we're all going to have a mansion of our own and, you know, what you're going to have in your mansion, what does that look like? Of course, we don't actually know because it doesn't say specifically in the Bible, but how much do we think about the next life and how much do we think about how we're going to get to the next life? Well, Jesus is very clear about how we get to the life that he offers and he is the life giver 
And I want to put my odds on Jesus because he's the life giver. I don't want to put my cards on anything else. I want to pursue him and follow him above all else because I know that his life is wonderful and I've experienced it. I've tasted uh, that in this lifetime and I know what is to come uh, in the future. And God doesn't only outline the problem. You know, don't you get frustrated when people just bring problems to you? Oh, here's a problem. Here's a problem that needs solving. Can you solve it for me? Isn't it even more wonderful when someone says, here's a problem, and look, I've got a solution as well. That's an amazing thing to, to have brought to you. And, and Jesus does exactly to that. He says, look, here's the problem. The problem is sin. The problem is these things that are getting in the, the way of your relationship with God and your relationship with each other. But I've got the solution as well. I'm not just pointing out the problem. I've also got the solution. And as I mark that cross on Ezra earlier, it's Jesus Christ who is that solution. Jesus Christ who put his arms up on the cross and took all the things that we've ever done wrong on himself so we don't have to pay that debt. Jesus offers us his life. And so we have the choice whether we take that life up. And as we read on in the passage in Nehemiah, uh, we have this wonderful picture of Nehemiah's instruction, not for them to mourn, but to party. And that's what Jesus wants for us. He doesn't want us to mourn. He doesn't want us to weep, but he wants us to party. We read in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so we have this wonderful message that actually, one, God doesn't want us to weep and mourn over our predicament, where we feel we are, maybe the challenges in our life, the struggles we've got, but he wants us to rejoice in who he is. And not only does he want us to rejoice in him, but he actually says that his joy is our strength. And that means our strength and our ability is not based on our own ability. You know, sometimes we can feel at the end of ourselves and think we've got nothing more to bring. But God says, my joy is your strength. In Nehemiah it says, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so this morning, I want to ask us the question. I want to return to the question I asked at the beginning. Have you acquired a treasure that is worth laying down everything else for? And I want us to just leave us to that question and go away and think about that. And I want to suggest to you that actually that treasure, if you haven't found it, can be found in Jesus Christ. He is the life giver and he offers us so much. Let's stand together, shall we? And I'm going to pray for us. And uh, I'm going to give a give an offer, actually. If anybody wants to make that commitment, invite the, uh, the band up um, and the prayer ministry team as well. And I uh, just want to give that offer that if anybody wants to um, make that commitment to, to Jesus this morning, to take up that treasure that he offers, that we can receive that this morning. So let's just have a moment of quiet. Um, just be still before God. Maybe for some of us, we've never really thought about uh, the faith. Maybe we've never really thought about Jesus. This might be new to us. Maybe God just wants to stir something in you. Maybe he wants to speak to you about the treasure that he offers to you. 
For some of us, we may have been followers of Jesus for many years. Maybe he wants to re-stir that desire for the treasure that he offers us.